Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Exactly. That new, new intro. Music. Yeah. Let's go. And logo. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. We're now in our fifth season. And uh, as you can see, we're starting to get some upgrades. We got new <laughs> logos. We got new intro music. But uh, so far, same old hosts. I'm your host, Kofi <laughs> Outlaw. And with me today in the studio at uh, CB Studios is Matthew Aguilar. What up? And from the home studio extraordinaire is Janelle Wheeler. Hello, everybody. And we are excited today because we got a fun show. We got uh, a little bit of what we like to do here sometimes. You know, sometimes we give you guys just news information and help kind of help bridge geek culture and mainstream culture so people understand what's going on out here in the wide world of geek culture. And sometimes, like Godzilla and King Kong, we just fight. So we uh, had one exciting fight episode already this year, asking whether Marvel or DC was going to have a better year this year. And uh, today we are going to be talking about The Last of Us. But of course, we've already done several weeks of you know early impressions of The Last of Us HBO show. Last week we did a whole review. Now it's out. We've all gotten to see it. You have all gotten to see it. And today we're going to talk about whether we think, and this has been the most interesting debate for me in the last week, uh, whether we think The Last of Us is kind of living up to the legacy of the games and whether that's important. So it's a kind of a two-pronged question that we're going to be tackling in today's episode. Plus, we got some very special guests with us coming in later in the show. So we got to be prompt and uh, get there. But uh, we have the creative team behind DC's new Superman comic series. Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell are going to be joining us. So be sure to stay tuned for all of that. And we're going to be doing, since it's season five, we've been doing this now a half decade. Oh, so my God. Yeah, wow. Like, you say it like that. It's crazy. No way. But, uh, we're going to try out some new show formats, including kind of uh, stealing from some other, other shows. We are going to be kind of court cutting this show a little bit shorter and then giving you guys some bonus material over on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page every week. So uh, now's the time to subscribe to that if you haven't already. And we've had a massive time. subscriber run lately. So get on board because uh, yeah, that's the yeah. baby. And uh, all thanks to Mass Agenda, largely. Yeah. All right. Yes. All right. So let's get to it because, like I said, we have a lot to do and we have a time schedule today and we want to stick on it. So first things first. Let's talk about The Last of Us. So we all have seen the show, as I've said. Um, we're not going to go around and do general impressions. We're going to talk about our subject at hand. And it's been something that's been debated. Like every conversation I have about this show in the last week, this has come up. Um, mm -hmm. And it led me to do kind of very specific research in researching what the general reaction is. And if you don't know me, um, I love to go out there and, and kind of just talk to the average person on the street and just have conversations and, you know, restaurants, bars, other social events and hear people talk about entertainment and who don't necessarily watch our show or read our site, comicbook.com. And um, it sparked an interesting debate. And so just for kind of background and context for this debate, 
I've played both Last of Us games. I was obsessed with them. Matt, I forget if you've played them or not. Yes, I have. I went back and checked. I was like, oh, yeah, I did finish that. So, yeah, okay. I finished the and, second uh, one. Yeah. Janelle's walk, watched a lot of playthroughs and walkthroughs, but she's never actually played. Mm-hmm. I've so, watched full playthroughs, though. Yeah. The crux of the debate that I've been having with people is um, every time I hear somebody kind of review the last of a show, it, it's been pretty predominantly heavily the case that each person that kind of has a negative take on it is somebody who's played the games. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this um, does. And it's weird because gamers are both happy that it faithfully recreates the games, but also kind of mad that it recreates the games so faithfully. And that like <laughs> they don't have the surprise because the shots are so familiar and all that while maybe not being feeling like um, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are exactly like the Joel and Ellie they imagined in their heads is another big problem. But, you know, and I don't want to rant. If you ever want to hear my completely unfiltered rants, just uh, research what is Podcast X and you can hear all that stuff unfiltered. But uh, for my filtered, polished Comic Book Nation rant, I will just (laughs) while I hear the big initial reactions coming from the gaming circle, The Last of Us, to me, isn't a show built for gamers. It's built for everybody who never played these games, right? Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it seems to me that the show has been an overwhelming success because everybody I talk to who never knows a single thing about who Naughty Dog, Neil Druckmann, or any of that, Troy Baker, or any of that stuff, they just saw a show that they loved. It was a show that kind of introduced new lore. I think the most popular thing we found out here at Comic Book and just the numbers of what people are searching for was that you know, searches about fungal infections and can fungus do this and all that stuff has become fascinating to people and what they did. And we're going to talk full spoilers because like I said, everybody it's out. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? And the misdirect that the game was was so small in the game and that few minutes of making you think you're playing a main character who gets killed as opposed to the show introducing you in a whole episode to who you think is the main character before she dies horribly is it really like rocked people. And so all of that stuff that the game did, the show seems to have done and like recreated on screen for people who never played the games. And I I just think like, it's gotten weird in this bait, like do, and not to be again, not to start a dumpster fire, but do we really necessarily care too heavily about the opinions of the gamers in this case? And should HBO, because I am a hardcore fan of the last of us games, but and it's hard for me even to separate myself from some things like accepting Bella as my Ellie, as opposed to this character I created from playing the games is hard, but I am trying to separate my own ego and say, okay, this is not a game thing. Like this is a TV yeah. show thing. And I think that very much needs to be kind of established as we're talking about like the success or failure of game adaptations. But hey, that's just me. I just threw you guys into this. So. I'm, I'm <laughs> you, so okay. So I'm curious to know because yeah, you too. haven't played the games. Yes, watched you've watched them all. Essentially, you have played. You've watched everything that's happened, but it's in a different way. So what did right. you like? How do you view that? Because you come from a unique place. Well, I will say, like as a viewer, like on Twitch, for example, when you're watching playthroughs. You're drinking coffee, you're doing work, you're talking to the chat, like you're not in it the way that like if you're playing it, you are. Um, So there are moments that I have clearly missed because I didn't, I, you know, people are saying, oh my gosh, the shot was exactly like the game. I'm like, oh wow, I didn't notice that because I was probably like texting someone on my phone or something (laughs) watching the playthrough. 
So it is a completely different experience. And I totally do understand what they're saying as if you played this, number one, you're more emotionally invested in, in the entire thing. <laughs> one of my viewers is calling me out in the chat and it's so true. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to take it from my perspective as a gigantic Walking Dead fan. Like I thought I was the biggest Walking Dead fan ever until I met Brandon Davis. And um, as like a zombie lover, as this post-apocalyptic thing, I kept telling my husband, I was like, I just love that they answer questions. One of the things that bothered me the most about Walking Dead is that we never really knew what caused it. Like we kind of did, but then like the CDC, they just like blew it up and it's like, peace out, that's over. And I, I hate that. Like, I love that we're getting all of those questions answered in the first episode. Like we're understanding where this came from, what it's about, why we care. And that's so good for a viewer of a TV show. Like it just hooks you. The fact that they got all of this in, in that amount of time in the first episode was shocking to me. And I am over the moon about the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with you, by the way, as, as the CDC episode was one of my favorite episodes of the walking dead. I was so annoyed that like, we never went back there. And then, of course, they only said, like, they saved the one time we do return to the, even that character for, like, years later on another show, right? The, <laughs> like, why do, why does that happen? So I I agree. I agree with both of you. And I think it's one of those things when we, I, I don't know if you remember, when we talked about Moon Knight, I was coming from, like, a very, like, super fan place. And I said I liked the show. I really enjoy it. But I had to kind of detach myself from what, Matt's version of Moon Knight looks like and what this what their interpretation is. And if I can detach myself a little bit from that, just, you know, Matt wants, Matt wants, <laughs> then I can find a lot of things to really love and get immersed and, and lose myself. And I did. I, Moon Knight was fantastic. But I did have to kind of separate what I was looking for in that show. Same way here. And I, I do get confused, too. I agree with Kofi. I get confused sometimes when like when we talked about Halo and like the episodes that that gamers rave about are the episodes I typically least remember because they're all the episodes of like, Oh, look, it's the first person camera. Oh, it's all the superficial crap. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about that stuff. I wanted more. That was always my issue with halo. Right? So last of us is in a unique place though. It doesn't need that. This was a movie. Anyway, this was movie level quality in the games. The acting was superb. And so I did worry coming in that like, I would have an issue maybe trying to, these characters resonating with me because they're played by new actors and they are a little bit slightly different takes. Pedro Pascal was not an issue at all. And neither was Ellie. It it took a minute. I just wanted to kind of give it a minute because Mm -hmm. Ellie's such a defined character in my brain. Pedro just took Joel to like a whole, to me, like a whole different level. Like I just, there was just so much there. He's just a very, he's a great actor. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And and Ellie though is, is going for like a, a bit of a different vibe. And, but I really like her and I really like, you know, we don't get much of the connection, but towards the end when we do get them on the same screen together and working together, there's really great stuff there. So yeah, I, I think this was a perfect show for the people that weren't coming into it who have played the games. I don't think this show was designed for them first in mind. I think it was designed for them because there's a lot of love and accuracy put into this. So you can't argue with the authenticity, but I think, First and foremost, they put people that we want to bring people into this world more so than we want to keep the people that are already there. And I think they knocked it out of the park on both. But I think that was the right way to go for this. I I think that was the right way, because now you've got a whole other legion of Last of Us fans that when Last of Us three hits, 
That's going to be a monster. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because now you have all of this. It's just, I think it was smart and I think it worked. Cleaning up some comments before we move on. Um, yeah, people have mentioned, like, how do we think this compares to, like, when Halo was out? I, I think it's night and day. Halo was good niche, like, you know, programming and TV, but nowhere. I don't think Halo sparked at nearly the amount of interest, viewership, oh, yeah. and no. sustained kind of buzz that this already Not at all. has. Not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, and... I mean, the production values were just night and day. Yeah, this is, well, so. this is HBO money and like, like there's a level, right? That they went into this with, uh, it's fantastic. There are even just aside from the recreations of scenes, like it's just a gorgeous show. And that intro, in this case, it was more of like a 20 minute intro, you know, compared to the game. But like, it hit me just. Just as hard. It killed me. And, oh my gosh! I was Brutal. Prepared. I was prepared. Knew what I was going in for. It doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some like, people uh, said in the comments it's different too. Now, like it hit me in the dad, but it yeah. was a whole lot worse. That's, that's true because like, that's mm-hmm. when I worked that game. Yeah, like, I played oh it before. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think we're not going to go in too many circles here. I think that yeah. I think we're all kind of saying the same thing, which is yes. Like we want to do things to honor the gamers, and this show is clearly doing that, right. right? It's not ignoring the gamers or their likes or their kind of association with it. But you also do want to open the door to something really different. And it's like I was talking about this on another podcast about, you know, Bella. And as Ellie is like, yes, I'm holding on to this picture of Ellie I have. But then they cast this really talented young actress who's come out now and been like, I'm gender fluid and I'm all these things. And I'm like, there's a lot about that that's more Ellie than, you know, anything I could have pictured given what we know about Ellie, her character, where she goes, where she progresses and who she becomes and like what defines her. Like that's eh, a little bit more on in a weird way on point for yeah. that character. Anything I could have come up like just picking somebody off the street and be like, you have freckles and blue eyes. You look like you could do this. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. It, in a lot of in a lot of cases, fan casting yeah. it goes very super. There's a reason why we don't it's, do it's, <laughs> it's very. Oh, hey, they kind of look like them. You know, it's it's like it, there's a lot more to it than that. So, yes, I agree. So, all right. But, um, yeah, I think we can all say, I mean, right around the room, like everybody should be checking out The Last of Us. Yeah. I mean, if only because if you want to keep watching this show, we're going to be talking about it a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, comic Book also has The Last of Pods podcast with uh, between comicbook.com and ET with Brandon Davis and Nash Cronson after every episode. So you can check that out as well. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be on this. So, yeah, strap in. All right. <laughs> Moving right along, I can't see over my own microphone. But uh, <laughs> next thing we just wanted to touch on is um, Scream Six. We always got to rep some Paramount around here because we are on the excellent Paramount Plus streaming <laughs> service where you can find Comic Book Nation. But um, no, we love the last Scream movie. It was kind of like came out of nowhere and turned out to be like really, really dope. And so Scream Six is changing it up and taking things to New York City. And I was saying, you know, I lived in New York City for uh, about a decade before I moved down here to Nashville. And I was saying this makes me want to go back, but for all the <laughs> wrong reasons. But um, yeah, just really quick, if you haven't checked out the Scream Six trailer and you're a horror fan, like this was a pretty cool trailer. It's uh, a really good trailer. They did what the last Scream movie did, which was again, you know, and horror movies are kind of leading the way doing this, which is instead of just giving us a random trailer with all the events, showing us scenes, yeah, showing us moments, showing us things that make us go <gasps> like intense up and then kind of giving us a sizzle reel, right? And um, yeah, this looks like I can't believe of all things Scream is back, but like Scream has man, that's a that, yeah. that franchise has endured and <laughs> evolved and 
It's impressive. It, it really is impressive. Yeah, is. but you wonder, like, how is it going to work in something like NYC, which is, like, people everywhere, surveillance everywhere, like, all this stuff. You'd be like, oh, that would never work. But this trailer makes it not only seem like it would work, but the kind of things you create danger out of when the trailer shows you a scene. It's a bodega. There's, like, tough guys in the bodega. There's a bodega owner with a gun. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that should make you think, you know, Ghostface won't, won't, won't have it here. But, uh, no. It's pretty raw, like what happens. And so it's good to see our girl Jenna Ortega yeah. back. Like it's good to see the continuity with um all the other screen movies with like Gail, Hayden Panitary, like all that stuff. So I'm not gonna go too deep, but uh if you haven't, it's on comicbook.com horror. Check out the trailer for Scream Six. It's coming out in March, and uh we will be going to see that. Go team Paramount. You guys have any thoughts? Matt and Janelle, I know you guys are the biggest <laughs> horror fans here. So what happens when we get the screen? I got lost in the trailer. I'm sorry. I got um, lost. I'm, I'm genuinely watching it. Like this is a live react and it's so hard not to show it on my face. I'm like flinching. I'm like, oh God, like, this is freaking me out. Oh, it looks great. But yeah. it looks so scary. <laughs> it looks it looks awesome. I guess I just got lost in the. It's just a great. It's a great trailer. Yeah, and also just that last that final scene that's about to play out. You know, it's it's. Uh, I'm excited. I've loved this resurgence for the franchise. I love the originals too. So I mean, mm -hmm. I was happy that this kind of got a brand new lease on life. Yeah, and and they keep playing with. Oh. Yeah, that's a great oh. scene. Like this whole scene playing out. Dude, that like awesome. oh god. And I love her lines, you know, of like, yeah, you, you realize you've tried this like, like yeah. 10 times and like all that stuff. The meta humor is not gone, <laughs> but like the real horror is back. And yeah. that's what I love about this. Creepiness. Creepiness. They, creepy. ba they balance like, I mean, the Sc Scream 5 had brutal kills, but yeah. also a lot of meta humor to it. And so it's good to see this, be good. this and except I ain't feeling too good about Gail. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Right. It does seem like uh, Dewey sooner than you wanted to. Writing's right. on the wall a little bit, but we'll see. We'll all see right. how to play that. So that's Scream 6. Check it out. Comicbook.com horror for all the latest on the Scream franchise. Uh, before we take a break, I just want to say, guys, guys, we should be excited. We're, we bet on DC a little bit this year. <laughs> I bet on maybe exciting things from DC getting the world hype. This is what me and Matt fought about. This is. DC this was round one. Hype. Yeah. So for my case, I would just like to present a video of something that Mr. Jason Momoa shared at a trip to DC Studios this week. Four years, four years ago, the Jeep out front. Yeah, yeah. Four, four, no, no, I don't Four years ago, I was screaming, wasn't right, I? Yeah. Screaming when I left Warner Brothers. Right? Everyone's in the video. <laughs> four years again. It's a mystery, baby. We got... Uh, I got some really good news. Great news with Warner Brothers. Amazing. Um, wish I could tell you, but here it is. Peter, I love you. James, I love you. David. Okay. Mwah. To the future, to the future. <laughs> Baby! Picture me rolling. Yeah, I love Jason Momoa. So I love cute. Momoa. So, uh, hashtag Jason Momoa is, lo is Lobo, huh? I mean, that's like what that joy is. I mean, if that's Aquaman's joy, then I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Like, yeah, because <laughs> that seems like it's Lobo joy. But um, 
hey, man, like, I'm not saying I'm petty. I'm just saying, like, this is the kind of hype. We all get excited about DC. This it is. is. Is it happening in 2023? Oh, the hype is happening in 2023. <laughs> the hype is going to be happening what, in 2023. But, um, We're I mean, not going to go there. Is anybody upset if he goes to jumps, makes this official jump to Lobo and we retire no his Batman? And, yeah, no, no, I'm not mad about that. I don't know if you would be I'm mad about that. This is the way it should have been in the beginning. So, you know, here we are. Will we get Matt? Oh, we'll see. Boy. We'll oh, see. Boy. We'll see. I'm excited for Lobo, though. But you love Aquaman. I love yeah. Aquaman, man. Yeah, and he's, so and he's great. So I, I'm a little bummed. But also, I would love to see his Lobo. So I can't. But what if he just got two checks? Like, what if that was like two check? Joy? I'm down for that. Because I've had two check joy before, and it kind of <laughs> looks like that. Where you're just like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting those two checks. Who <laughs> said anything about one or the other? <laughs> so we'll see if it's two check joy. But, um, all right, here we go. We are going to be taking a break now. When we come back, we are going to sit down with the creative team of DC's new Superman series, Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell. So be sure to stay tuned for all of that. Plus, you got to know what we're going to be putting in these uh, bonus kind of videos that we're going to be doing at the end for the bonus content on the show where we really get geeky. So stay tuned for all of that. This is Comic Book Nation. Subscribe, like, do all that stuff while we're on break, and we'll be back in a minute. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I love that our new kind of like return from break music. First of all, it doesn't scare you. Yes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Thank you. And second of all, it, it properly captures the tension we usually have amassed before we come back <laughs> for each other. And it's like, yeah, there's going to be some drama when we get back. But not today, though. Today, we are taking the high road because we, as I said before the break, if you're just joining us, get to sit down and talk with the creative team of DC's new Superman series, Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell. Matt, take it away. Hey, so yeah, I'm super excited to welcome the team of Superman number one here. Uh, do we? I think we've got them here, Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Hey. How are you doing? Good. Hey, Jamal. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Jamal's oh, one of my man. favorite people in comics. He's amazingly talented. When you guys see, Super have you actually read Superman number one yet? Have you seen it? Yeah, I, yeah, yes, we all we have. have. Yeah. Oh, you have? Okay, yeah, so you know. You know Jamal is genius and incredibly good. <laughs> dude, yes. dude, man, yeah. Uh, if A testament to, like, your your Naomi work and Far Sector. It's fantastic, but uh, boy, soups, soups look dope, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. about amazingness and art on here. Yeah, I think I wrote yeah, that. Every page is good. 
Why does he look so dope? That was gorgeous. Legitimacy of the question. Um, Well, uh, thank you guys so much for for joining the show. Um, You know, I know Action Comics kind of set a new status quo for, you know, Superman's Clark's identity, but also his dynamic with Lex Luthor. Um, What can you tease about how that will kind of play out throughout this series and what was exciting most to you about it? Uh, Well, I really love writing Lex Luthor. You know, I think that he's a really fascinating character. And I think this idea that Superman, you know, I, I think that Superman always tries to see the best in everyone, right? And he tries to see the best in humanity. And I think when he looks at Lex Luthor, there's a part of him that feels disappointed and feels regret. You know, it's like, what would have Lex been like if, if he had chosen the side of good? You know, what what, what would have that been like if they had worked together? And, I, and there's a scene in issue one where Clark is talking to Lois and he's like, you know, I feel like I gave up on him. You know, I feel like that's the one person I gave up on. And uh, Lois is like, no, Lex gave up on Lex. But here we have in the story of Lex Luthor basically saying like, and he said this in Action 1050 where he's like, I believe the world needs Superman, but if they're going to have Superman, they're going to have my version of Superman and I'm going to try to help you. And so what is that relationship like if someone like Lex Luthor, who's this egomaniac, and for him to finally admit the world needs a Superman and now he wants to help? What does that help actually look like? And knowing Lex Luthor, it's still, you know, it's nefarious, right? Like, there's always something behind it. But, you know, can Superman actually look at him and be like, maybe this time he means it? You know, can he can he try to find a version of Lex that's good and actually, you know, help Lex on some kind of path of redemption? But Lex is Lex, you know? And, and so I think it's been really fun to write them as kind of this, like, I'm going to use the word frenemies because I feel like that's the best way to put it, you know? Uh, I mean, these two people have known each other since they were kids, you know, they've known each other since they were kids, they've interacted this whole time, and so to now have this moment where Lex is in prison, and uh, I don't want how much I want to get to spoilers, <laughs> but the idea that, you know, he's trying to basically help Superman, uh, I think it's a really fun dynamic between the two of them. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this yeah. was... Sorry, Matt. This was the first time I ever really felt like that type of a relationship between the two of them. And it like really sunk in deep for me experiencing that. Um, I have a question for Jamal. I was wondering, uh, it doesn't get much bigger than Superman. We know this. What did you Mm -hmm. want to bring most to your interpretation? And did you have any struggles or challenges? Um, Really? It was just bringing that classic Superman back. You know, he's been gone for a while. He was dead in Dark Crisis for a bit. Um, And now he's back. He's back in Metropolis. He's back with Lois. He's back with Daily Planet. And it's very much that classic, like, when we first got down to talking about this, the thing that Josh brought up was the 90s Superman cartoon and sort of bringing that energy. And that's the Superman that, like, introduced me to the character. So it was very much, yeah, I'm totally on board. This is my starting point. I totally get you. So it was bringing that energy and that look and that feeling to the book was sort of the goal there. And honestly, there hasn't really been that many struggles or issues just because, you know, on Naomi and on Far Sector, I was very much creating something new. There was new characters, especially with Far Sector. It was a completely new world and supporting cast. So I was doing a lot of inventing and coming up from zero versus with Superman now, like, I've known Superman for almost 30 years now. I know exactly what that character means to me, what Metropolis looks like. So I'm not starting from zero. I very much have that like, 
I don't have to worry about designing anything or worrying if anything looks right. I know what everything looks like, so I can just go and have fun with it. Also, so it's actually been pretty bling. easy. Look at your Sorry? bling. I'm loving your bling. <laughs> it's so <Thank> awesome. <laughs> I can't take my eyes off of it. It's awesome. <laughs> Quick follow-up. I've been doing this a long time, and we're looking at this uh, image on the screen, which is you know cover art wallpaper from Superman 1. Jamal, how does it... I mean, do you know now, right now, that you're going to probably, you've created probably like the Superman wallpaper that most internet <laughs> and, you know, photoshopping things into for like the next foreseeable future? Uh, yeah, are you good with those flowers in your cap? You know, it's, yes. <laughs> you know, it's one of the most fun things about this job is just like drawing things that I just think look cool. And then, you know, I'll just be minding my own business on the internet or whatever. And I'll just see my art pop up somewhere. It's like, oh, I did that. So like, it's very much a thing that I look forward to seeing just my art pop up somewhere else. And it's kind of surreal seeing it where I don't expect it to like come up. Oh yeah. This yeah. image is gonna, yeah. This image is getting used. Well, and it's so funny that like you said the 90 Superman card, I hadn't made that connection. Cause like, I love the Superman, but now mm. that I, you say it, I can't unsee that. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah, it looks great. Like well, my yeah. Superman, I feel like is a mix between the 90s Superman cartoon and like the stuff Alex Ross does. Like I love Alex Ross, the big like body, the big chiseled, like very much like meaty, like boxer type build to Superman. Yeah. So marrying that with the 90s, look is kind of what I'm going for here. Uh, yeah, no, that's oh, that's a perfect mix. And, uh, you know, one of the cool things, too, is that the series also, you know, Lex is going to be a big part, obviously. Mm -hmm. But like, as we can see on this cover, uh, you know, we've got some other villains also in the mix uh, and very like classic villains. It's nice to kind of see, you know, it's awesome to get these new characters, too, and everything. But it's when you take a break for a bit and you come back, it's awesome to see some of these kind of classic characters come in, especially like Parasite, Livewire. What can you tease about kind of their roles in this upcoming story? And was there something you were trying to nail down on them, avoid with them? What was that for you, Josh? Well, I think, again, we were talking about doing the whole, uh, like the animated series was definitely like a goal for us. Like we looked at that as kind of our North Star in a lot of ways. And so you look at that and that was definitely like, you had a lot of great Parasite stories in there and a lot of great Livewire stories. Uh, I think that Superman has one of the best rogues galleries out there. And I think it's been a while since we've actually seen them. You know, it's been a bit, I feel like since you've actually seen a lot of these characters. And so for me, it was about taking them and trying to, to elevate them in some ways and make them a little bit dangerous, a little scary, a little bit like something you could actually challenge Superman. Um, you know, one of our goals has been to take all these iconic pieces, these things that we love about Superman, put them on the table and then try to shine new lights on them. Right. So that's the same thing with Livewire and like Livewire, Livewire and Parasite are in the first three issues. Um, uh, the first three issues, the, the nickname I have for them or the subtitle I have for them is Night of the Parasite. So Parasite plays a major role in the first three. Uh, and so does Livewire. And obviously you, you can probably figure out why <laughs> they're both in it at the same time and how that plays into things in the third issue. Um, but then Bizarro plays a big role and then Silver Banshee does too. And what, what's interesting about this cast on this cover is this cover kind of teases a lot of stuff that we're going to be doing in the, for probably the first year or two of the book and with all these villains they're in these first three issues uh but that doesn't mean that they're only there they all play kind of these like supporting roles throughout you know i'm i'm not sure if you're a fan of jeff johns's flash run 
Um, mm-hmm. But when he was doing that book, he really spent time elevating all the rogues through yeah. that story. And I really looked at that for this, where I was like, I'm going to re- reintroduce them, but then try to find ways to spend more time with them to get a little bit more into their head. And, you know, like Livewire um, will take on a different role in the book. Once we get past the first arc, she gets a new job without getting too much into spoilers. She gets a new job. Uh, but there's all kinds of fun stuff we're going to be doing with the villains. And, you know, it's been awesome seeing Jamal take those villains on a visual level. And like he was saying, like he knows what they look like, but he's also been able to put his own spin on it. You know, I mean, that's one thing we've talked a lot about with this book is like, we want to definitely look at all the stuff we love and all of these iconic pieces, but we have to move the ball forward still and bring it into the new. And I think that's what Jamal was doing with even like the slight redesigns on some of the villains that he's been doing, like Livewire and a little bit with Parasite. And then we have new villains coming as well. A lot of new villains. Josh, continuing with you, we have spent a lot of time on the show kind of um, reading through the recent run of action comics. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that kind of really stood out to us about why we enjoyed that is how action comics um, shit in its latest runs shifted the balance of focus between who Superman is as a character and what the effect of Superman is on the world and the people around him. And as you guys are taking on this series, do you think that Superman's presence is kind of more important than the character himself? Or do you think it's kind of a fine balance and how do you strike that balance as a writer of the character? You know, I think it's a fine balance. Uh, And a lot of the stuff you're talking about are things that, you know, Philip is going to be continuing in action because action is going to keep going. And it's definitely going to have more of the Superman family in it. It's becoming a bit more of a Superman family book. And he's going to continue to explore those themes. You know, I think with this, I'm, I'm mostly just focusing on, well, this kind of plays into the beginning of the issue where it's like at the very beginning, he's listening to music, right? This is like, it's, it's him as young Clark Kent. He's listening to music. And there's a scene where um, Pa Kent, is, Martha is upset. And she's like, she's blaming Pete Ross. Pete, Pete Ross brought the music into our house, right? And Pa Kent is like, no, 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 no. Come on, he's a teenager. Like he's gonna do what he wants. But he says, a lot of people are gonna be telling him who he's supposed to be basically, right? And what he should be doing. And once people find out what he is, once they find out he is Superman, he can do his abilities, the entire world is going to be telling him what they think he should be doing. But at the end of the day, he needs to listen to his own heart. And I wanted to play with those themes. So it does play with what you're talking about, uh, but with my own spin on it, because I don't want to repeat what Philip is doing, because I definitely want our books to have like connective tissue, but I don't want us to always be repeating the themes. Like We want to tell our own stories. Uh, so I wanted to focus on that, about the idea of him having to listen to his own heart, and not just this voice in his head because the idea that Lex Luthor kind of it's Lex Luthor constantly talking to him For people don't know one of the, the things that happens in the first issue you learn is that Clark always has an ear out for Lois for John Ma Pa Kent for Bruce but he also listens for Lex and once now that Lex knows that Lex is just crap talking him all the time and giving him help giving him advice so uh that I think plays also the role of like that idea of the voice in your head versus listening to your heart. And I wanted to play with all those with him. Um, and it, we are going to play a bit about his impact on people around him and how that comes back onto him uh, with it. But I wanted to play around more about the mind versus the heart with him and let Philip continue doing what he was doing. And as a small, just a tiny follow-up. Yeah. How do you also, because it's the biggest question that is hanging over Superman and we ask anybody who's kind of involved with the character right now, how are you guys approaching keeping Superman relevant in today's kind of modern times 
where some people might say, oh, he is no longer a relevant character. Well, you know, I, I feel like Lex is also the voice of those people. Like, that's kind of what Lex is saying in Action 1050 a little bit here. And that was actually the thing in my head that I, you know, even before I got the job, I was hearing a lot of people talking about what they would do differently with Superman long before I got the job. You know, and I remember sitting down with one of the editors and we were talking about my ideas on the book. And I was thinking about Lex a lot. And I remember driving home after it and thinking, oh, Lex wants to fix Superman. He thinks he can improve upon it. You know, he, he and there's actually a scene in issue four where there, Lex is in prison and he overhears two guys talking about how Superman sucks and Batman is awesome. And so I do want to play around with that kind of meta messaging with the character where there are people that I mean, at the end of the day, I can't I can't control what people think. Right. Like you just can't. And I think the idea of people there are people out there that that don't get it. You know, they, they don't get it. They think that Superman sucks and you can't you can't control that. You know, the most I can do is try and tell the best Superman story I can tell. Now, am I going to play around with the meta-ness of that and have people in the book actually say Superman sucks? Yes, of course I'm going to. <laughs> you know, are they going to be potentially the villains in the book? Yes, of course. But, you know, so it's... Uh, uh, um, I can't control that idea of how people feel about those things and, and the relevance of Superman right now and how there are people out there that don't like the character. You cannot control that. The most I can do is that me and Jamal can try and do something that we really are proud of and enjoy working on, have fun. Like that's a big part of this book for us is that I'm, I'm having fun. Jamal's having fun and we're hoping that goes in the work and we hope when you read it, you also have fun, you know, and then, you know, we hope you see what we're, we're trying to put down. Well, yeah. we are a petty show, so we support your medical. Yeah. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't sub tweet. I sub comic. So it's all. In there. <laughs> That's awesome. Josh, um, the Superman family has become a bigger part of Clark's world recently. Uh, what role will they play in the series? It kind of goes with what you were talking about here. Oh, uh, you're talking about with, with like Connor and John yeah. and, and Kara, or are you talking about, uh, we're only going to have that book a little bit. It's funny. They're in two a little, they're in three a little, like every, I, because again, Philip is doing so much in action with that side of things. You know, uh, Philip and I met up a few times this last year. We talked about what we were both doing. So we weren't going to bump into each other too much. You know, we wanted to make sure again, there's second tissue, but that we're not, um, like overriding each other or contradicting each other. That was, that was a big thing. You know, we wanted to make sure you could still read the books independently, but if you read both, you would get a bigger story out of it, especially as we get further in. Uh, so I mostly focus on daily planet stuff. So I mostly focus on Lois and Jimmy. Uh, and I focus on those villains like Lex, you know, like I have so much of that already that he's mostly focusing on John and Kara, but we do have them in the book. Like they're in issue two a little bit. They're in issue three a little bit. And we'll continue to see that. But my focal is, is Clark, Lex, Jimmy, Lois, and then all of these these villains that we're trying to work with. Gotta love. I love those villains. characters though. I, yeah. I I really want to work with with uh, Connor. Like Philip and I have talked a lot about Connor, and I have some ideas for Connor. Um, I've been a big fan of Connor since you know Reign of the Superman, and so I have a lot of thoughts on him. Uh, and so Philip and I have been talking about how to how to work with that and and do some really cool stuff with him, particularly down the line. But you, you know, Philip has a lot of really cool stuff coming in that book. Nice. Uh, as a follow-up, Jamal, is there anyone that you would like to throw in there in the mix? Like, is anyone speaking to you or who is your favorite, I guess, in this group? <laughs> um, I'm interested in this too, because I'm going to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's Connor and it's Supergirl in that group yeah, for me. Right. Um, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Connor was just like, 
open my notebook here. He's interesting because he was like his story about being this like clone of Superman who couldn't really find his way. But like with how comics progress now, you can sort of portray him as like he's been with, you know, like Young Justice and that group and he's sort of come into his own person. And like my favorite character is Nightwing. So that idea of progressing past, not necessarily past, but beside into the person who you were looking up to is very much like a thing that speaks to me. And Connor and his relationship with Superman definitely um, portrays that. And then Kara is just cool. <laughs> like, yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah, she is just the coolest. Like, anytime she pops up, it's always like a joy to me. So, like, anytime I get to draw her, like, I did one issue for Supergirl with um, Steve Orlando. And, like, that was great because it's like, yes, I can draw my favorite, like, super person <laughs> other than Superman. And then now, like, with her few appearances in this book, I get to do that again along with all the other super family. So yeah, this explains so much about an issue two where I, I think it was <laughs> I had, you know what I'm talking about. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. I know exactly. What I was like, say. oh, they're in the background, and then the page came in, and they were real big. This <laughs> 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 explains so, so much now. Uh, yeah, with, with, love it. Yeah, with with Connor, yeah. I, I'm actually like when I was a kid in like high school, I used to write like all kinds of fan fiction about DC stuff, and so I have all kinds of thoughts on Connor. I had like a whole thing about like I, I wanted to write those books badly. I wanted to write Superboy. I wanted to write Robin. I wanted to write Impulse when I was a kid, and so I actually have like all kinds of um, stories about those characters that I have like always wanted to do or, or things that have bugged me about like their stories or particularly their origins and um yeah so i think with the superboy one like philip and i've talked about it and I, I think that is something that will probably end up happening like we'll end up coordinating some stuff with him where we both really want to it's just a matter of scheduling so uh yeah, yeah we'll, we'll figure out how to get you those characters in the book. <laughs> look i'm not saying i'm just saying if there is just happens so happens to be a story where kara and connor have to save superman for once like here are going to be mad at that you know, that'd, that'd be a good one for us but um um, moving right along, and we checked this next question to make sure before we we asked it because it's not going too far in spoilers. Because um, previews for your Superman book have kind of teased fans with this idea that there is going to be this that Superman's going to be going down a path essentially that we've seen Batman sort of go down in past years, where he gets yeah. the chance to maybe take his heroism to a, a whole nother level of kind of helping people and. Without, I'm trying to phrase it so keep it as unspoiler as possible. But um, when you guys were kind of weighing that idea, what was it that you kind of weighed about how Superman having this opportunity would be like different than what like Batman did with it or something like that? I think, well, it comes down to, I'll, I'll give you a little backstory on that particular story piece and, and why I kind of came around to that idea. Um, you know, Batman uh, has all the toys. And I mean that in story and in the world. Right. Like Batman has so many, you know, cool toys. Right. Like, I mean, I say this as you can't tell in my office over here, but I have like maybe two dozen Batman black and white statues on the other side over here. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of Batman stuff. And so and that's also a little bit in world sometimes where we don't really explore a lot of stuff with the Fortress of Solitude. And uh, I wanted to give Superman more toys. Like I wanted to find a way to give him more stuff, more set pieces and more costumes, more more stuff for us to play with. 
And I started, whenever I have those like kind of ideas like that, I'm like, all right, what is the twist on it? What is the other spin, right? Because it can't come easy. And I don't want it to just be a thing. Like all of a sudden you, you Superman shows up and he has this gigantic room full of cool toys. I didn't want that to be like, to me it was a throwaway. I wanted it to actually be a story thing. And, and then it came back around to Lex and the idea that Lex would be the one to give him this thing. And Superman wouldn't really want it. You know, he doesn't really need it necessarily. But I think the idea, again, it comes around to people. And if he could find ways to help people, and in that issue with Mercy, essentially says, like, all of these people have worked for Lex Luthor, and their, like, brilliant minds have been wasted on Lex's petty pursuits. Imagine what they could do if they were working with you and had your heart and your head. And I started exploring that, and I think that would be really, uh, would be a fun thing to do. And then it was kind of like, all right, I'll start talking about the visual of this. And then we handed it over to Jamal. And then, you know, we started, I, I, I started literally looking for Superman toys to give to Jamal to be like, to fill these pages up with those ideas. And, you know, yeah, so that was, that was my, my thinking process on, on that. But it, a lot of it comes back around to Lex and the stories with Lex and how Lex would give something like that because we were talking about batman a lot of times that's that's those are batman's decision right and it's right in line with batman but with superman i also wanted to take superman and put him into areas we don't normally see him in right so it's like you know uh grant morrison said that batman could be used as a vehicle for any kind of story and i think superman is the same so why don't we do that with Superman? Why don't we try to tell different kinds of Superman and put Superman and things we don't normally see and then dumping Superman into a corporate environment and an environment like the stuff that's going on with LexCorp that I got really excited about. And I thought it would be something different to do uh, in the book that you hadn't really seen from the Superman book before. Uh, that still feels familiar, right? Like it still feels familiar, but we were able to do something different with it. Um, I want to just incorporate a comment from some of our most dedicated fans on the show. Uh, they were really asking, you know, the comics have also introduced that Clark or Kal-El's powers have evolved in a mm -hmm. way. And will you guys be playing with that aspect of the story mythos? <laughs> we're not playing with it as much. Uh, that's again, that's an action thing. And what's interesting with our book is that it, how much of the spoilers do I get in with this? Um, something happens at the end of issue one and going into issue two where Superman is actually not able to access those powers that he's gotten, the newest ones that he got during action. And so we don't explore those first three. Later on, we are going to touch on it more and more as we go. Uh, but right now, my focus has been more about, not less about the powers and more about Superman's heart. Like, that's really where my focus has been on, on the book right now. Uh, I'm really excited for the stuff that they're doing in action, and I really like the stuff that Philip's doing in relation to those new powers that he has. Uh, but for me, we're trying to stay in Metropolis, so having the ability to, like, zoom across space. And <laughs> across, <laughs> yeah, you know? You know, it, it's like, you know, uh, Superman's already fast, so it's it doesn't really do anything for us particularly. Uh, but I am excited for that stuff. Like, me and Philip talked a lot, and, and Tom Taylor, we talked a lot about this stuff during action. 1050 the development of it and so it was cool to see that stuff come together but for us you know again it's more about the characters and more about the heart than it is about just the powers you know because really superman's this is always the thing with these superheroes right like it isn't about the powers you know because zod has those same powers it's it's about the heart of clark Kent, and that's the stuff i try to focus on when we do these books um as a final question i know you guys gotta go uh this is for you josh um we are going to be doing some comic reviews right after that. And one of them we tackled this week was Bane, One More, uh, One Bad oh. Day. So <laughs> as just a general question for you, 
we were yeah. interested in what, and especially after hearing how many kind of stories you've you've played with, and even in your head or your own fan fiction mm -hmm. over the years, what was interesting to you, and what made you want to take this particular story angle on Bane? Uh, well, I really love uh, I really love Bane. I've been a big fan of Bane's ever since uh, Avengers of Bane, the one shot. Like that was when I was really coming into DC, like pretty heavy, like going to the comic shop every Wednesday. I started reading that, and then I started reading Nightfall right after that. And I actually had read Venom before. Um, I read Venom before uh, when it was coming out, so I had this kind of already this connection to that story. Um, DC offered it to me. They came to me like one day. They knew I loved Bane, so like, do you want to do Bane? Uh, and the challenge with that book was, to me, the 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 perfect Bane one shot already existed, and that was Vengeance of Bane. It's his origin. It's his connections to Batman. It's a perfect story. It's one of the best like introductions of a character ever. How do I possibly add to that? And uh, I know, uh, you know, one of you, I'm not sure if both of you or all three of you are wrestling fans. Um, as you can see, I'm wearing my AEW shirt. I was going to say that AEW uh, shirt sitting there. <laughs> so I went and I was watching WrestleMania. I was watching WrestleMania and Triple H came out to the ring and put his boots down in the ring. And I really started thinking about what legacy meant. And thinking about the legacy you leave behind and how Triple H didn't get to have his one last match. And I started thinking about that. And and then it clicked in my head, like, oh, you know, Bane's look is actually based off of Luchadors, right? Like, that is what his look is. His original look was based off of Luchadors. And I was like, yo, what if he became a wrestler? <laughs> and so I started going down this path of Bane as a wrestler, but then also playing around with the ideas of disappointment. And the idea, I'm always fascinated, like, if you have this one goal, in life, if you got your entire life about one thing, whether you're an athlete or a writer, or whatever, you're, you're, you're like, that is it. That's the goal for me. What do you do after you accomplish that goal? Like, what does your life become after that? You know, and and that was what into that that Bane one shot that if like his entire life was about breaking the Batman, but he broke the Batman 30 years ago. So what has he been doing since? <laughs> and how does that impact him? to know that his peak was 30 years ago. For us, I mean, for him, it's, I don't know how long it's been for him in world, maybe 10 years, I don't know. But I hope it's not that long. But, you know, what does that do to a person? And that's what I was exploring with that character. And yeah, it was awesome. Howard Porter drew it and it looks great. And Kill, he it's, killed uh, that, it's real cool. <laughs> yeah, Howard Porter went crazy in that issue. He went nuts. There was times in the script, I was like, there's a page in that book where there's a hundred panels on one page. I promise you that was not in the script. <laughs> 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 I literally wrote like, because sometimes with Howard, I've known Howard for a long time, so a lot of times, you know, I'll leave action sequences open, and I think Jamal knows this too, that, like, if you come in with suggestions and ideas, I'm like, you do what you think looks cool, you know? Uh, there's some stuff in issue two that, that you were, it was funny, Jamal was asking me questions, like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and I'm like, Jamal, you're a genius, go do it. Like, I have total faith in you, go do it. And, and I wrote with Howard for a long time, and I know it's the same thing with Howard, and so with Howard, I think the script, I left it open. I think my description was basically, like, Bane and this guy fight, have fun, you know? And then Howard came back with a hundred panel page. <laughs> like, what are you doing to yourself, dude? Come on, man. Uh, so yeah, so it, was, good, it was fun. Yeah, I, I hope you like it. Yeah, it was yeah, uh, the shot with um with there's a shot with Bane with his championship title. Oh yeah, that's great, right? I saw that and went, yeah, this book's gonna vibe with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This. Yeah, I. I I definitely went down a little bit of a hole with that. It was funny though when people were like, "How dare you make Bane a wrestler?" And I was like, "We talking about people? How dare I make <laughs> Bane? Have you not Bane? seen what he yeah. looks like? Right? 
How dare I make Bailey Luchador? Have you seen his mask for the past? And how he fights? Oh, my God. All right. Whatever. Well, they're going (laughs) to... We know who's ending up in a future Superman comic now. All right. Talk to the hand on that one. Um, Yeah, we got to go. We got to let you guys go. They're telling us you guys have a hard out. Uh, We can sit here and do this all day. We really Yeah, I love talking about this stuff. Thank you so much. Um, I I hope you like us. Yeah, I hope you like Superman number one. I was just about to say, yeah, we all Mm. love Superman number one. We are kind of really getting re-enthused by what you guys are doing, what they're doing over in action. It's, it's a good time to be a Superman fan again. And so mm-hmm. thank you very much. And uh, yeah, all the, all the best success and reactions to you guys in the coming weeks as the book Absolutely. comes out. Thank you. Make sure to pick up Superman one on uh, February 21st. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. totally. Good speaking to right, you. Guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> that was Yay. the creative team behind DC's new Superman series, writer Joshua Williamson and artist Jamal Campbell. It's coming out in the end of February. Be on the lookout. There are some big things happening in the Superman world. So if you're a DC fan, uh, be sure to check up on that. All right. Now we are going to come down to the end of the regular show. And this is where kind of things are changes. Before we get out, we're doing a new little segment called Hot Watch. We don't have the graphics yet, but we will. And uh, <laughs> instead of going into deep about things, the, the kind of secondary things that are out there, we just thought you'd nail it for you guys about whether you should watch it or skip it. So let's try this out and see how it goes. The first thing that's up this week is the movie Missing. I gave you guys an early reaction to Missing a couple weeks ago. Missing is a kind of sequel to the movie Searching from 2018. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching, John Cho was in the 2018 movie. Um, Storm Reed is in this new movie with Nia Long and some other people. But uh, Missing is something I would say, see it. I don't know if you need to see it in theaters. Uh, when it hits home video or streaming, it's one of those movies that's small enough to watch then. But it is something I think you should see eventually because as far as B-movie mystery thrillers go, it's one that has a lot of clever twists. It does a lot of clever things with the whole found footage thing. And it's this whole searching, missing franchise is one of the better things in thrillers that I think I've seen come out of a thriller franchise in the last few years. So I say see it, but you don't need to see it in theaters. You can wait for it to be at home. Uh, Next up is That 90 Show, which hit Netflix on Thursday this week. So That 90 Show is out. And of course, if you were watching with our awesome picture selection again, is (laughs) the sequel series to That 70 Show, which was a big thing for us in like the 2000s, was one of the biggest sitcoms of the time. And after watching the first episode, I thought it was cute. And, you know, I always think these revival series always, it takes a minute to get used to them because it's like, Studios obviously doing this for money and get it back. But this one brings back a lot of people for fun cameos. They even released the one with Aston Kutcher and Mila Kunis online. And they're only in there for like a second. But yeah, it's but a it's fun great. second. It's a and great, it's a great spot, meta yeah. humor. And I'd say like if you liked iCarly, Girl Meets World, and all these other kind of revival series, this one is pretty much that 70s show, but in the 90s. And there's like a lot of funny funny jokes for fans of the show, even in the first episode with like the kitchen, like the circular yeah. shots. And Once again, that. the the parents are the, yeah. the Red best. And Kitty. Yeah. Oh my God. Like she is amazing yeah. in the show. And I will that. say I had to watch until episode two because the first episode I was just kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I only cared about the cameos. That's it. I right. did not care about this new cast and the new kids. So it, I'm in like episode three and I'm just now starting to be like, okay, I guess I kind of care what they're about. <laughs> But I care way more about where's yeah. Buzz, where's Jackie, like you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, there's a lot of that. I mean, for for us, the older people, but the new kids are funny enough and kind of good that you do they do grow on you. But the first episode is very much about 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about hey, where are they now? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. But um, I would say see it. I would say check it out. If you were a fan of sitcoms and that '70s show, mm-hmm. if you are a Matt, then definitely check this out. <laughs> and um, next up is Hunter season two, which is running on uh, Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, Hunters, oh, which is a crazy yo. series about the Nazi hunters, and it yes. had the controversial ending of season one with Hitler still being alive. But you forget how scary this show is, and Jordan Peele produces it. But what I love about this show is it, it. there's very few really good kind of thriller shows that borderline on horror, and this is one of them because yeah. you're talking about people hunting Nazis. The Nazi characters are scary as AF, and the hunters themselves, it's all about how scary they become hunting monsters. So it's going to be the last season. It's just finishing up, and if you like season one, there's a lot in season two that I like. There's a lot of great action sequence, and again, it is like one of the best kind of thrillers that borders on horror that you can get on tv so check it out and i didn't put the graphic in but rich is in the booth and i gotta do it for rich and mention the bad bad oh, season yeah. two is out <laughs> on disney plus and i would say see that too because the bad batch I, I think people need to get more into star wars animation as we are getting into these yeah. live action shows that are just straight ripping from the animation now yeah. watch some star wars animation and the bad batch is is a good show and Agreed. I'm appreciating it more and more. So that's our hot watch segment. And those are the things you watch all watches this week. No yeah, skips. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Now that's the end of the regular comic book nation show. If you are just getting into it, please do subscribe to our YouTube, to us on Twitter, subscribe on all your plot pod plod on your podcast <laughs> platforms because we're on all of them. And we would love to see you guys more often. Now, We are going to keep going, but now the rest of the show where we discuss comics this week and we have some fun comics to break down is going to be over on our YouTube page. And each week we are going to select. It won't always be comics. Sometimes it might be a longer TV or movie discussion or just something that we don't think belongs in the regular show, but we want to talk about that you guys might be interested in. So every week, be sure to check our YouTube page after the show for what the bonus content will be. But we're going to get into that right now. And if you are just kind of, Peace and out on the regular show. We'll see you guys next week. For those of you who stick around, we're going to get geeky. So stick around for the bonus segment of Comic Book Nation. Yeah, I don't think anything's supposed to happen. We just got the control room right before we walked in here. So moving on to our bonus uh, segment. Welcome to the bonus segment of Comic Book Nation, where this week we are going to be talking about some big comics that hit Matt Aguilar, my co-host, Janelle Wheeler, my other co-host, let's take it away. Matt is our comics guru. So what books are we doing this week? Well, uh, it was a big day for it was a big day for DC. So we have Nightwing number 100 is what we are kicking things off with. Uh, I look, it's been no secret. This has been very much in the like best of discussions for 2022. Tom Taylor is just killing it on this book. This is just such a, this is, it's a gorgeous cover. And the covers, by the way, for this series have been aces too across the board. Oh, this is definitely getting cut up for DC. Yeah, this is is gorgeous (laughs) Uh, and this is this whole look this if you're a Nightwing fan, which I would say Nightwing is probably one of the I feel like he got a real nice spotlight in 2022 just overall because all the dark crisis all the getting that legacy shined on him. If you've been reading like Batman Urban Legends, he's been getting a lot of shine in there like Nightwing has really been getting his due because he's one of the best characters in DC and this shows why there's just so many moments between him and like look you had me at Titans. When the oh. Titans make their they make their run here, and essentially so this, many good beats in this. This whole thing is just you know, uh, it's a basically a prison breakout, and you know the heart the heartless is kind of bringing everyone out. Just wants to kind of cause chaos and show that you know Bloodhaven can't be controlled. And 
it's Nightwing racing to stop it. But because he's Nightwing and because he has so many friends and he's such a kind of a pillar of the of the DC heroescape, they're all there for him. And it's just such a cool family vibe. If you're an old school Titans fan, you're going to adore this. But also just as a Nightwing fan, like there's an awesome sequence where it actually shows him leaping into danger. I'd always look where I fall. And, and it shows him throughout the years and all the costumes. And it's like, oh, there's so many. It such feels... And if you're a fan of him, his relationship with Bruce Wayne, there's there is father son stuff here that just like boom. (laughs) No, I I mean no lie. This is like a Nightwing and Batman. This is the scene like that's going to be hanging around as one of the most pivotal milestone like Batman Nightwing scenes, and definitely got me in both the son feels and the dad feels like on both sides of that coin. Like, um, yeah, I have a dad who's like very accomplished and stuff like that and you know that under the shadow stuff is real like and so there's a lot in that conversation that you know i'm not saying i'm crying i'm saying the person in the <laughs> next to me was crying and kind of just dripped onto mine but you know that happens and um no this was great and um i see somebody in the comments brywood saying he felt it was underwhelming for a 100 but i liked how they did it like i liked really yeah, I mean, I liked how they did it. It was a simple story. It was straightforward, which I think milestone issues should always be self-contained. Either they're either ending a big story, starting a big story, or it's just a standalone thing that reflects on the character. Yeah. And I thought this was that. And so I, I liked how they did it by flourishes that you don't see usually. Like you're reading a story and then there is that kind of set yeah. of pages where it's just like, oh, no, this is like an issue 100 oh to who Nightwing is. And we're going to see him leaving through the air and all those different yeah. costumes and those so gorgeous cool. kind of cover art style pages. And yeah, and then we get back to the story where he yeah. lands and he's fighting it. And those kind of weird, like unusual flourishes were great for an anniversary. Because you can issue. do that in yeah. a book you have more pages in. I'm cur- yeah. I'm curious to know, because this year, I feel like this year too, you've gotten to know the character in yeah. a much bigger way than years past. Yeah. So how did you feel about this issue? I loved this. I thought this was so fun. But I will say like the Superman comic that we just covered in that interview kind of spoiled any other comic this week because that was just <laughs> unbelievable. Like the art was, I mean, just everything about that book. Um, but had I not read that first, I would say this was my favorite of the week. Um, and yeah, it, it's another one of those where I just kind of like lost track of what page I was on or where I was at because I was so invested in it and just really enjoying the experience. Yeah, yeah no. And I also think it does a, a lot to set up. I mean, yeah, there's some repeat of, you know, Dark Crisis, but because I, I like that because that means you're you're gauging it to people who maybe didn't read that. So you're filling mm-hmm. them in because the Wonder Woman, Superman thing. Yes, mm-hmm. we've seen kind of that play out, but I liked how they did it here. <laughs> the whole, I want to yeah. sit in the chair after it's like not molten lava. I thought it was worth it, but I liked the idea of him. He has been one of the key characters for years. I mean, there's a reason that the Grayson is held in such high regard. And I like to see this, you know, let's check like that. Change the world line. I'm sorry, man. That got me. I was like, oh, let's let's change it together. Like, you know, it's and I like what they're doing in the city. Like, you know, we're going to get in the spoilers because it's been out for a minute. Titans Tower. Yeah. As the as the what the prison was. <laughs> I was like, yes, man. So I like how they set that up for him going forward. He's going to have a much bigger space. And I like that. Yeah, There was a great meta scene with him being able to kind of have an audience with Wonder Woman and Superman as if he were like the third member of the Trinity instead of Batman, yeah. which is, you know, him, you know, not saying we ever want that, but like he had earned that at mm-hmm. least earned that spot and earned that prestige and seeing Superman and 
and Wonder Woman give him his flowers like that is, I mean, it's hard to argue with that if you're like an anti-Nightwing yeah. fan. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was, no, I, right, I didn't yeah, say anything. Yeah. No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no uh, so yeah, Tom Taylor's knocking it out of the park. That series just continues to be one of the best. And I'm really excited that it looks like anyway, the Titans are going to be more involved. I always love seeing like Donna Troy and, and Cyborg and Beast Boy. Um, so moving on to another Batman family book, but ironically, both of our Batman books were not Batman books. Like no. they weren't, they, they featured him, <laughs> but they weren't Batman books, which is nice. So uh, Bane, One Bad Day. This is the latest in a in a series of kind of one shots where they're depicting all of you know Batman's villains. Uh, his he has the most famous rogues gallery out there in comics. So um, these are rich for interpretation, and and this one. As I said before, uh, if you were watching our if you were watching our interview uh, with Joshua Williamson, uh, the writer, I it didn't take long. There's like two pages into this book, and they're in a wrestling ring, and it sees like the champ and the and the Porter art is gorgeous. I was I was in just because I think the idea of having there's actually a lot of uh, corollaries between like wrestling careers and like this, like there's a lot of that crossover. So I thought it fit perfectly. And also I just love the idea of Bane essentially going against what you might expect and being like, no, I've, I, there's this whole adventure that kind of unfolds where him and Batman were actually the ones to rid the world of venom, or at least they thought they, they did. And like the understanding that they come to and kind of the evolution of that partnership, that the partnership that neither one wants, but they need to make this happen and how that played out and all the kind of not even guilt, but just like the baggage that Bane is left with at this point, you know, in his career and just his life. And then this new quest happens. And it's very much like those things where they always set up like the Rambo movie, the last Rambo, right? Oh, you got to come back one last time. But this one just, it made sense. It, it actually made sense of why you would, this guy would kind of come out of retirement, so to speak, you know, of just like in-person action and not in a ring. And I thought it was really, I thought it was really well done. I came away really liking this. Um, I'm a sucker for kind of what if scenarios when they're, when they're done really well and you kind of really go all in on a, on a concept. And I thought this did. I thought it, it really ran with that. And it's it's gorgeous. So uh, that's me. Comments are going off like I did. So you should help them by mentioning that this is out of continuity. Yes. One shot. Yes. Yes. This is not in continuity. Not this, this did one. not. Because I was going off about all this too. Brywood, <laughs> Brywood in our comments. I was going off about this too. I was like, what about City of Bane? What about all these Bane clones that are running around no, in no, Joker no. and like brain faking his death? Like, what about all this? But uh, Matt called me down. He was like, careful. He's like, easy there. Big fella. It's a, it's a <laughs> well, non-continuity one show. They do like, reference. Uh, yeah, they do. They do reference that, which I like. But this isn't, I mean, this is yeah, not a. have to play by those rules. Yeah, this is not a, in, this is not necessarily like the end of Bane or how Ben, this is very much like when Marvel does their, the end books. Yes, they could happen. They reference old material. That is fact, but that's not necessarily how things turn out. Yeah, you know what I mean? Playing with a different, yeah, yeah. You're, you're playing with a deck of cards there. Um, but um, yeah, you know, city of Bane, it was interesting. Like in seeing Bane and Batman team up, which was interesting. And Bane's, I think what distinguishes Bane from a lot of other villains that were created in the last 30 years is that from the beginning, like, we got to know Bane as Bane independent of Batman. Batman mm -hmm. was just this symbol in his head, right? But like, you know, Bane, Venom, and like the original Venom comic and all that stuff. Um, yeah, like we got to know and, and connect with him as a person with his own thoughts, his own internal monologue, and his own kind of viewpoint on things that really kind of made him attractive as a mm -hmm. villain. 
And this cap and Joshua Williamson obviously gets that because this is a very Bane monologue driven story. Yeah. And it makes sense with a character. Like if you did grow up reading, like we just talked to him nightfall and all that stuff. This is that Bane mm-hmm. in very much the way he thought about it. Cause nightfall, the brilliance of that was Bane's kind of being a better schemer and planner and strategist than Batman yeah. and all the things he did to take him down before he broke his back. So, yeah. So this was interesting to get back to some classic Bane. And once I got it sorted out, it wasn't in continuity. I was okay. I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Janelle, what'd you think? I didn't read this one. I thought this one was the optional one. Oh, it is. It is absolutely <laughs> optional. Just in case. It was I just in case. I didn't know if you did. Oh, this was the option? Yeah, this I was the optional. Was the option. That's oh. why when you said you read it, I went, oh, okay, great. It wasn't just me. So <laughs> and now I'm mad that I didn't read it. No, it no, you can awesome. yeah, we'll read it. Let's pick it up next week. If you want to read it, it is yeah. long. It's super long. It's 70 pages, yeah. Yeah. but oh, uh, It goes by quick, though, surprisingly. Yeah, it yeah. does. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's comics of this week. A lot uh-huh. of other good stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. And I'll shout out uh, somebody mentioned in the comics. Yes, I'm loving the X-Men comics. I don't talk about them enough because I don't want to make Janelle too mad. But like, yeah, no, the X-Men I comics. Like uh, Brian Wood said, Immortal X-Men. Yeah, what they're doing with Mr. Sinister in the X-Men comics right now is fascinating to me. It's one of the more fascinating X-Men stories I've read in years. Um, Sinisters, you learn. We've learned in Immortal X-Men, which is one of my favorite series with X-Men Red right now, the new X-Men series, is that Sinister basically... The original Sinister died in the 19th century from the powers Apocalypse gave him, but he cloned himself into four bodies. And so Mr. Sinister, as we know him with the white skin and the diamond on his head, is just he cloned four of them to playing club cards. And so they each got a different mission. And the diamond, Mr. Sinister, was messing with mutant stuff. The club, Mr. Sinister, was the one who I believe, yes, is the one who tried to develop new forms of humans and is working with Orcus as a doctor. What's his name? Um, whatever his name is, is the kind of guy with Orcus. The, the Spade one went to space and started messing with aliens. And we had revealed as the big living orb that he's been in. He's been messing with the, the world mine or the That's world, amazing, life, the world forge. <laughs> and now in this issue, we find out that Diamond Sinister, who impersonated a doctor and has been messing with mutant bloodlines for years, including Xavier's, has some kind of backdoor he put in to kind of possess them. And Immortal X-Men has just been great. Like with time travel and handling time travel, future predictions, an edge of tomorrow issue where Sinister kills the Quiet Council multiple times yeah. and has to keep trying. And oh, Dr. Stasis. Thank you, Brightwood. Um, yeah. And so it's all been great. So if you're not checking out, at least in the X-Men line, reading X-Men, Immortal, Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red, you're kind of missing out. But uh, I would throw the main X-Men book in there, too. Wolverine, uh, yeah, I was gonna that. say also, um, Dark Web X Men was three issues of fantasticness. That was awesome. It is a tie in, yes, to Dark Web, but honestly, I don't even think you need to read Dark Web to appreciate it. There's so much great Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor stuff in that three issue series. It is worth it. Like, if you're a fan of that particular era, which I am, all the cable. All the cable, the cable story is such a huge part. And like, they do such a great job of like actually making you feel actually not even making you feel drawing out empathy that you probably should have felt the entire time for prior, because they do a really good job of explaining like, no, like her, her memories were robbed. She was, she was used. And then like, she didn't get to enjoy any of the years with her child before he went to like, there's so much there that they explore and they, I really kind of felt like they gave her her due after a really long time. And I kind of felt like a jerk for not being more empathetic to yeah. her as a character. We joke about Cable's story, but when you actually look at it from Madeline Pryor, it was like, 
oh, I was a clone used to create a baby, and then they took my baby. And then they took my baby. And sent me to hell. (laughs) Yeah, and sent me to hell, and I didn't get any of that time. And All she's doing in the story is wanting her memories of that time. She doesn't even want to relive them. She just wants the memories from Jean so that she can be there in spirit. It's like, oh, my God. And I was like, give them to her. (laughs) Stop being a jerk and give them to her. So it's they do such a wonderful job in just three issues of summing that up that I think, like, even, like, Janelle, I know you're not the biggest, like, X-Men person. But I think, and even like, I don't even think we've read something with Cable really, like where they dive into his backstory here. No, we haven't But I think you would appreciate it because it's really just a character story about like someone who is just, has had a lot of trauma and is just trying to process. Like, I think the X-Men of us, the X-Men-ness of it is secondary and the character stuff. I would actually be interested to read it. Yeah. I like all the X-Men stuff you've been kind of throwing in there lately has been so fun and I've been really enjoying it. So I think they're finally kind of learning with this new era, how much they can open up and move away from just the old kind of tropes they were stuck in, like because of the old universe. So yeah, check out X-Men books, I guess is the message here. All right. I read Ant-Man. Were we not supposed to read that? Wasp. Oh, that oh, was. Yeah. Oh wait, you read Wasp? I forgot. Yeah, that. Wasp. Yeah. Okay. Say that. So here's the thing. Um. So when I, because this is my fault. Uh, we got Marvel books late because of the holiday, and then Matt was being all like, all over the place, and so I didn't put stuff in the thing. So then we were like, oh well, if no one's read it, we'll go ahead and strike <laughs> it. But Janelle read it, so Janelle, yeah. I didn't read it. Yeah. Oh so what did you think about the book? This was this was so fun, like getting to know Wasp and her relationship with her stepdaughter, and um, a, a villain that I, that is new for me with some you know toxic hands and there there's a lot going on. Um, and there and it's it's kind of wordy too, but it didn't bother me. It was it was kind of short and sweet in that like it wasn't a ton of pages. Uh, thank you, Brywood, Doctor Stasis. Um, it. It was, uh, I don't know. I think it was just like a fun, easy read. And I got to know Wasp on a totally different level. I got to know her stepdaughter. I got to understand, um, you know, a new villain. And I think it's, I think it's just a fun, you know, nice little read, like a fun thing. It's hard. Superman was so good, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, there, the reason, the real question is, does it, does it get you hyped for Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, it does. anything does because that is so up my alley. Like I know some people, I, I love all of that interdimensional, like all of that weird stuff. So yes, anything that goes into that world a little bit more makes me excited. Did it, did it hook you for another issue? <sighs> mm, probably not. <laughs> So that's where yeah. we'll end our bonus uh, our bonus content today. Uh, yeah, we're still figuring out the kinks. I know some of you are still watching us on live stream. Don't get too used to it. We got a whole review from yeah. Janelle. Come yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yay. Don't get used to seeing this all on live stream. You're going to have to work for it soon in the, in the future. You're going to have to go to the YouTube page <laughs> and find out what this bonus content is where we just let our hair down and get a little bit more geeky. So this has been Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. We want to thank all of our guests today, Joshua Williamson, Jamal Campbell, And we want to thank you, the viewers, for tuning in. And we will see you guys next week. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast. Peace. Bye, guys.